Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. Well, as I promised many, many weeks ago, actually just a few days ago, we would be back with another special edition of A Different Perspective, and we are in fact here with that. I am in fact Kevin Randall, and I am joined by Christopher Montgomery, who is an author who lives in Seattle. His writing career goes back to the 1980s. He has written for several magazines, including Uncensored UFO Report, UFO Files, and UFO Magazine. He has also worked for the Sci-Fi Channel and USA Networks in a video project by Steven Spielberg entitled Taken. Montgomery has appeared in several documentaries, including UFOs, What You Didn't Know. He is a certified private investigator who specializes in the study of UFOs. Christopher's latest book is entitled UFOs, A Scientific Inquiry, and it's from Page Publishing on Staten Island, New York. And I noticed he got UFOs in that biography a number of times. Welcome to A Different Perspective. Well, uh, thank you. 
Um, I should say up front, your website is ufoRC.com, and uh, you, and as I said, his book is UFOs: A Scientific Inquiry. So that begs the question: since you called it UFOs: A Scientific Inquiry, what makes it a scientific inquiry? Uh, the book is based around the Condon Report, and that in and of itself was a scientific inquiry. In, in my opinion, they, they were very scientific in their approach and their study of the phenomena and their case reports. You're aware that the whole thing was set up by the Air Force prior to even them signing the contract with the Air Force telling them exactly what to find, which is exactly what the Condon Committee found. So how does that make that a scientific inquiry? Well, the investigators themselves performed uh, very scientific inquiries, but what happened was they cherry-picked the data, and in fact, towards the end of the investigation, a lot of the uh, investigators were complaining about the fact that they were taking cases with really no relevance to the authenticity of UFOs and would rather choose ones that, uh, how would you say, debunked the matter. But doesn't that sort of negate the scientific inquiry basis of that? No matter what the investigators want, they were told up front what to find, and that's exactly what they did. Yes, exactly. And I believe I believe you are accurate 100 percent. But what I'm saying is the rest of the scientific community accepts it as scientific fact. Oh, yeah. that's uh, uh, Well, not necessarily all of it, but a great many of them do accept it as scientific fact. I think that uh, many of us in the UFO community have kind of picked apart some of the, the research that went on in the Condon Committee and how it was uh, poorly poorly uh, done. But I, um, we've also pointed out, and as I said, it was a letter written by Lieutenant Colonel Robert Hippler, who told them, you know, find out that uh, we did a good job investigating it, say some nice things about our investigation, say there's no national security issues, and let's be done with it. And Condon went out and said, you know, um, I'm going to find there's not much to this, but I'm not supposed to learn that for another 18 months. So uh, while the, I guess the scientific community might believe it was a scientific inquiry, it certainly was anything but. Does your book make those kind of points? It does indeed. I go in... Uh... I tear it into little ribbons. Okay. I uh, point out all the little red herrings that I could find and and the fact. But see, there was also a lot of good data in there, even though, you know, like most of it was just, uh, how would you say, BS. There were a lot of little facets in there, little gems that I pulled out also that I found of interest that were helpful in my investigations. I noticed that in your book, you kind of place a stock in MJ-12. I do. Correct? I do. Uh, what is your thought on the matter there, uh, Kevin? Well, actually, actually, my, my question to you is what evidence is there that there was such an organization? Well, there's, there's very little paper trail. I know there is a couple of documents out there where it was uh, mentioned as far as Majestic goes, but I was in contact with someone claiming to be from uh, MJ-12. Well, before we get to that guy, you say there's some documents that reference MJ-12. Is there any undisputed, unquestioned documents that uh, lead us back to MJ-12? Someplace I can FOIA and they will send me a copy of a document in their possession that legitimizes MJ-12? I will, I will do some research on that. But from what I can gather, the, the majority of anything of interest to you or I is redacted. But is there any documents that you think are authentic? There are. There are. I, I do remember one, in fact, where they were uh, mentioning the Roswell incident. 
which is, I believe, from whence MJ-12 sprang, came from the uh, Roswell investigation, and they formed MJ-12. Was that a uh, was that the Eisenhower briefing document? I believe that was one of them. Yes. Um, you understand that there's no providence for those documents whatsoever. They can be traced back to Bill Moore, Jamie Chandry, and Richard Doty, and we can go no further. We can go to no government agency and FOIA them and get copies of those documents. The Air Force has stamped them bogus. The FBI has said that it is not a classified document. The um, National Archives, which has the Cutler Twining memo, says that although this is a document in our possession, they don't believe it to, to be authentic. These are classic red flags when dealing with question documents. So why would you think there's anything of relevance in the MJ-12? The reason why I think there's relevance in it is because it, uh, the U.S. government uh, is not going to come clean on the UFO phenomena, so they're going to go out of their way, whether they have a Freedom of Information Act uh, or not. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to release the documents to us. Uh, especially those that may have some relevance to what we're talking about. Yes, but I, my question is, um, do you have any evidence that MJ-12 is, is, exists other than question documents and a fellow you, I think you would say, is MJ-7? Right, MJ-7. That, that's, uh, that's what I have right there as my correspondence with MJ-7 and his letterhead, which is uh, shown in my book as well. But can is there a place we can go to vet his credentials? Has his credentials been properly vetted? Someone who's claiming to be MJ-12, I don't think that he would want to be properly vetted, even if he wasn't real, or if he was. He's not supposed to be talking about MJ-12 either way. So as far as I'm concerned, he's not going to come clean on who he is. I get a lot of information from people in the military because what happens was they put my, my website name and my UFO report form on a military blog, and I started getting all this correspondence from military people saying, well, we're not supposed to talk about this, but this is what happened at base so-and-so. So so my answer to you is yes. The official word is no. MJ-12 does not exist. Do I believe they exist personally as an investigator? Yes, I do. Do I have any solid physical evidence? No, because they've been very careful to make sure there isn't any. That's my opinion. But we've been able to crack a number of things. Project Moondust, for example, which the Air Force denied even existed. And we were able to crack into that uh, through documentation. That can be FOIA, that we can find evidence. In fact, the Project Blue Book files, if you look at them closely, you find a number of cases labeled Project Moondust. This was a classified project with a classified code name. So we've been able to penetrate that, but nobody, including Stan Friedman, who has looked for, what, decades, has been able to substantiate an organization known as MJ-12, and the only majestic document that we can find is a war plan from 1952 that dealt with the logistics of resupplying our forces as they attempted to resist a Soviet invasion into Europe. So there really is nothing to support the idea that there's an MJ-12 uh, other than bogus documents and some people claiming to have been members of it, including um, uh, Corso, Philip Corso. Yes, I, I'm familiar with Philip Corso, yes, the day after Roswell. Do mm -hmm. you think that everything wrote in that book was just uh, garbage? Pretty much. And, and, and what leads to that conclusion? 
Um, we will get into that in a moment uh, before okay. we leave M before we leave MJ12. But uh, and I'm I'm watching my clock here, so I'm trying to make sure that we don't get, get don't get caught uh, in a with a break. Um, but from what I understand, then you have nothing to substantiate that MJ12 as an organization to investigate UFOs exists other than some correspondence with a fellow claiming to be a member of that committee. As far as actual documentation that MJ-12 exists, no. So, um, but, you, but you still believe that it's a legitimate organization? I do. And this is what was known as ramping because I was just trying to build, run up a little time here. Uh, we'll be back here in just a few moments with Christopher, Christopher, Christopher. I was going to get through this whole thing without mispronouncing somebody's <laughs> name and didn't make it. Christopher Montgomery, his book is UFOs, a Scientific Inquiry. The website is uforc.com. Mine is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. For those of you who would like more information about uh, today's program and other things that we'll be doing in the future, uh, take a look at my book, Roswell in the 21st Century, for what I think is a... Good investigation, cold case investigation of the Roswell case. And the latest book is Encounter in the Desert, which deals with Lonnie Zamora's landing traces cases from uh, Socorro, New Mexico in 1964. We will be back right after this with Christopher Montgomery, and we will talk about Philip Corso at that time. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. 
Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. I am joined by Christopher Montgomery. The book is UFOs, A Scientific Inquiry. And before we went to break, we were kind of talking about Philip Corso, and that kind of throws my, uh, I guess, my rundown out the window here because I had a way of leading into that sort of thing. Um, you believe Philip Corso was telling the truth? Yes, I do. And you believe this because? Because I have insider information, people that know Philip Corso and okay. his, his family. Can you share any of that inside information with us? No, because their life would be endangered. Well, there are problems with Corso's book. Uh, are you familiar with RE Con Convoy regulations? Uh, would you fill me in on that, please? Okay, you're moving materiel, weapons, whatever, convoy from one location to another. Uh, in this case, according to Corso, they're moving the bodies from Roswell, New Mexico to Wright, Patterson Wrightfield in Dayton, Ohio. They stop overnight, which is called a RON, remain overnight at Fort Riley, Kansas. According to Corso, they unloaded the convoy trucks, moved the material into a veterinary lab. A sergeant of his who was guarding the stuff has found an open crate with the body in it and shows it to Corso. I'm wondering why they would have unloaded the trucks, why they wouldn't have their own guards on it because it's classified material, um, why that whole thing was operated that way. And remember, I've actually moved convoys with classified materials from across state lines, and in one case, moving automatic weapons from one state to another, which causes all kinds of trouble. So I'm familiar with the way they convoy. So his story about how he came in contact with the body makes no sense militarily. I follow you. Yes, I follow you indeed. And? My opinion? Yes. I think when we're dealing with something of extraterrestrial origin, I think you can throw all the rules out the window. I think when you're dealing with something that highly classified, you not only keep the, keep the rule book open, you follow it religiously. And there is absolutely no reason. And I can understand why, if they were moving from Roswell to uh, Wright Field, they would follow a specific route to put them at specific military bases to remain overnight because it gives them added security. I do not understand why they would unload the trucks. I do not understand why they would let, not have their own guards on it. I do not understand how um, the crates, even if they were moved from the trucks to another location, would have been opened so that the, uh, the guys at Riley could look into them. It's a classified material. Uh, you would want to keep it uh, very secure, and that wasn't done. I also wonder why they didn't fly the material. Yes, uh, well, you've got to remember, too, there's a whole mythology about UFOs and, and airplanes, too. That's relevant because how is that relevant? Uh, well, um, let me see. There was a case here in Washington where they were shipping some alleged debris from a UFO and the plane crashed. And what year? Crashed. What yeah. year was that? What year was that? I have to research it. 
Uh, my point in 1947, there wasn't those sorts of protocols in place. This was something new to them. And the quickest way to move the material, and the safest way to remove the material, most secure way to move the material is to use aircraft. And you don't put everything on one airplane. You spread it out. So in case one crashes, you don't lose everything. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So doesn't doesn't that negate part of Corso's story? I, I think the Corso... I think what was going on with Roswell was something that was so new and so unexpected and so out of this worldly that they didn't really have a protocol that could adequately address the level of security concerns. And secondly, my experience with people in the military, non-coms, not officers, and certainly not officers who, who took their job as seriously as you did, will often do things like that and breach protocols and say, hey, look at this over here. I'm just saying, it may not be protocol, it may not be Army regulations or Air Force regulations, but these things happen. So as far as a soldier saying, hey, look at this over here, have you ever seen anything like this? It could happen, and it does happen. But I'm saying in this specific case, the materials would have been guarded by the soldiers in the convoy, not the soldiers at Fort Riley. Therefore, Brownie, who was an NCO, wouldn't have been able to tell Corso, hey, look what we found by poking around in this stuff. Mm -hmm. if, you get, if, if you're going to have a, a, a breach of the protocol, it would have been the soldiers on the convoy, and they would have known nobody, probably known that nobody, that they would have come in contact with at Fort Riley. So I find that story simply doesn't work on so many levels, and yet this is the way he supposedly saw the, the alien bodies from Roswell. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, you have a lot of military experience, I take it. Yes, I do. And so you certainly have a little bit of an advantage over me. But this information has been out there for a couple, for several years. Uh, Corso was in Corso was in Roswell talking about um, his military experience, I and he and he said that he had been the base commander at at uh, White Sands. Sure. Not not a commander, the commander. There was never a lieutenant colonel who was in command at White Sands. They were all general officers with two exceptions. One was the very first commander, a guy named Turner, and another was a full colonel who took over when the general who was in command died unexpectedly, and he took over as acting commander. So uh, Corso had a habit of inflating, embellishing his credentials. I believe there may, may have been some embellishments, but... But let me remind you, uh, Kevin, that my specialty is investigating UFOs in the here and now. I do not specialize in military, uh, nor Corso, nor Roswell, nor any of that. I can only go by the experiences that I have had, which is investigating UFOs. Now, let me let me give you an example. Have you ever seen a UFO, Kevin? I usually say no to that question because the UFO sighting was so trivial and unimportant and people on this program have heard it so many times um, but it was just a bright light crossing the sky okay a nocturnal light but was it behaving like an aircraft it was behaving like a satellite like a satellite okay irregardless you had an experience now I've had UFO sightings myself just drawing from experience where I've had five or six different witnesses at one time including myself who has seen triangular UFOs, I have seen flying saucers, I can go down the list. So you're talking to a believer who's 
physically seen them himself with other people, have triangulated cases. So, so my take on the phenomena is the here and now, what's going on in our world today. This is where I'm coming from. I really don't have a great deal of experience with military matters, but I can tell from the way you talk about it, you certainly have, and you've done a lot of research on this, and I certainly respect you for all the work you've done. But do you see the difference in, in different uh, approaches we have here? Oh, I absolutely. Am- absolutely. I approach it as a skeptic, and you approach it as a true believer. Yes, because I've seen them. And uh, so you believe the Maury Island case, for example? With the slag? Yes. Yes, I believe that case. Um, have you looked at all the testimony of, by Chrisman and Dahl, the two guys, the harbor patrolmen who really scalvaged boat operators uh, who found the slag? Have you researched their backgrounds at all? No, I've, I've researched the slag itself, the material they're claiming was extraterrestrial origin. It was but just if, common, common materials you could find anywhere. Absolutely. Are you aware that Chrisman had been in touch with Ray Palmer, the editor of Science Fiction Magazine, prior to uh, his uh, spotting of a UFO? Uh, I haven't researched this case in quite a long time, so I can't draw from personal memory. But you brought it up in your book. The Maury Island incident? Yeah. Yeah, the slag. I brought up the slag. The analysis of the slag. Did you read the book? Yes. And you also said the Air Force investigated it, which really isn't quite, that's not quite true. Why is that? Um, Ray Palmer, the editor of the Science Fiction Magazine, who was attempting to validate the Shaver mystery, uh, called Kenneth Arnold, the guy who started the whole mess, and asked him to investigate this case. Arnold went down to Tacoma, Washington to talk to the guys found himself over his head called um, uh, um, um, E.J. Smith, who was a United Airlines pilot, to help him out, who'd had his own sighting, and then called uh, two Air Force officers, well, actually Army Air Force's officers, to help with the investigation. So they came up to talk to um, Arnold and see what he had to say. They left after a few hours realizing that uh, the whole thing was a hoax. Comment? Well, my comment is this. Um, There are cases out there that when you're investigating, there's going to be a great deal of controversial information. And depending on your take on the matter, I suppose that you can debunk or support whatever case you want to support. I can cite uh, numerous examples. For example... Um, I remember someone named Kevin Randall saying that there's a good chance that the Roswell aliens were crash test dummies. Have you said that before? No. No. I distinctly remember hearing that somewhere. Where did I hear that? Not from me. I was going to get into that, and we'll get into that in just a minute because I'm running out of time here. We'll be discussing the anthropomorphic dummies dropped at Roswell in 1952 and 1957. Actually, I don't think they were dropped in Roswell until 1957, but... Be that as it may, we'll, we'll get into that. That was going to be later in the discussion. Uh, the website for Christopher Montgomery is uforc.com. The book is UFOs, a Scientific Inquiry. Take a look at my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. We will be back right after this talking about uh, UFOs in general. So stick around.
they are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand, live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. We are back. I am joined by Christopher Montgomery. The book is UFOs, A Scientific Inquiry. And we were talking about um, the crash test dummies that fell at Roswell in the 1950s. And I said that um, Christopher Montgomery had told Rob McConnell that I'm retired and I've written books about UFOs, and yet you can find red herrings in his books, too. For example, he believes that the aliens recovered at Roswell were crash test dummies, and crash test dummies didn't come along till the 1950s. I say I never said any such a darn thing, and I'd like to know where he got that information. So, Christopher, where did you get that information? No comment. What does that mean? That means I wish not to comment. You're not, you, would you like to retract the statement? I'm not retracting anything. I'm not making any comment. 
It's, it's an untrue statement. No comment. Well, that's certainly helpful. Uh, you wrote that you believed I was a shill for the Air Force in a campaign to debunk UFOs. What's your evidence for that claim? Do you know what a shill is? Absolutely. What is a shill to you? What does that mean? I'm here to ask the questions. I want to know why you would say that. What does that mean to you? I'm trying to make a point. Well, go ahead and make it. The point is this. The government uses people as their mouthpiece to debunk UFOs. That is a show. That's what I consider a show. I consider you to be a show. You're not consciously working for the government. I don't think you even know the government's manipulating you. But I believe they are. That's what I meant by that. I don't think that it's any intention of yours to debunk UFOs for the government. But I think they're using you for that purpose. So what you're saying that if I suggest a UFO sighting as a terrestrial explanation, for example, the Charles Witted case, which we've talked about many times on this program, the uh, two airline pilots who saw cigar-shaped craft flash by them in um, 1948 uh, with square windows and a flame out the back, when I say I believe that case is now solved as a bolide um, because that's where the evidence takes us, that makes me a debunker? A bullet doesn't have windows and exhaust coming out the rear end. Yes, but in 1968, there was the reentry of the Zond, Zond 4, I think a Soviet spacecraft. And as it broke up, it gave the impression of a lighted cockpit, square windows along its side, and a flame out the back. There are illustrations from people who saw the uh, Zond 4 reentry, drew illustrations that matched what uh, Chowson witted claim they had seen. Mm -hmm. There are um, any number of videos on YouTube. One of them is called Meteor Composition. 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 It is three minutes and 19 seconds long, and it shows the objects breaking up. And if you caught a glimpse of this sort of thing out of the corner of your eye, if you saw it for just a couple of seconds, you would get the impression that it was some kind of a structured craft with square windows. I haven't seen it. The point being that, that we have now, I think in 2019, good evidence that the um, sighting by Charles and Witted was probably a bolide. And that was an answer that J. Allen Hynek gave to it in the very beginning, said it sounds like a bolide. It sounds exactly like a bolide. Yeah, I'd have to familiarize myself with that case. I have it in my APRO uh, uh, NICAP uh files from the 60s. I'd have to research that, but I do remember seeing the picture of it, and it looked like a rocket with windows. Okay, that was the sketch. Yes, the yes but I, I don't know. I can't say for sure, because I didn't see it. Uh, but your my question was this, simply. If that evidence came to us in the 1960s, we understand how these things work, we understand more about human perceptions and the psychology of human possession, perception in today's world, and we now believe that that case is solved by a bolide, does that make me a debunker or a careful researcher? Does that make you a debunker or a careful researcher? I am not familiar with the case, Kevin. Well, you've labeled me a shill from the Air Force. You want to take, you want to retract that statement? And I wish not to comment. Why is that? Why is that? 
because I made a statement and I'm going to just leave it out there. I'm not going to comment on it. But if the statement is inaccurate, shouldn't you retract it? Well, if I think it's accurate, why should I? Because it's not inaccurate, because it's not accurate, because I have told you that I'm not a show for the Air Force. I've told you very carefully that I did not say that the uh, Air Force explanation of crash test dummies was accurate. I never said that. You're going to leave those statements out there. <laughs> no comment. Okay, let's go talk about Gerald Anderson. I don't know who Gerald Anderson is. You mentioned him in his book, your book. Where? You were talking about Corso, and you said in your book, whether Corso knows it or not, the day after Roswell corroborated Anderson's story. The details told by Anderson jived in nearly every respect. Randall has egg on his face. Isn't this all about getting even with me the same my book, nope. Evan? Nope. It's all about trying to find out where this information came in or how come, where your belief structure lies. You're now talking talking about Gerald Anderson. I'd like to talk about Gerald Anderson. This is not about Gerald Anderson, Kevin. This is about you. No, it's about Gerald Anderson now because I'm running the program. <laughs> I just want to know, um, do you believe Gerald Anderson is telling the truth? No comment. Sounds like you were not prepared to discuss your book. It sounds like, to me, that you're giving me a hard time. Oh, yes, this is true. Yeah. I, planned on, I planned on it. I read your book. I went through it after you made the comment that I uh, had talked about the crash test dummies. You mentioned uh, Gerald Anderson. So I thought we should chat about Gerald Anderson because you mm -hmm. seem to believe that his tale is true. You said that uh, I was wrong about the location of the wreckage. The wreckage site is actually in Arroyo on the plains of San Augustine near Corona. But the plains of San Augustine aren't near Corona. So I just wanted to straighten some of these things out. Um, Gerald Anderson, you believe his tale or not? No comment. If you're, if you're here to tear my book into little shreds and discredit me as an author, I'm not going to have any comment. I am here to correct some statements you made about me in your book and on the air, and you said to other people, and I just wanted to clear some of that up, and I wanted to detail some of these things that you said in your book. So I think that's what we should be talking about. You and you don't want to sit here and be battered by you about your beliefs on UFOs, which I don't accept. I don't think that's quite fair. No, I'm not talking about beliefs. I'm talking about evidence and things that uh, you, you have said in the past that are simply not true. You said you had an Air Force source. Is that correct? Or an inside source? An inside source? Yeah. That told you that I was uh, working for the Air Force or gave you some of the information about the, uh, the Air Force? I don't remember saying that. Okay. Um, I was just wondering who this is. I, I guess the point is the inside source, if he's telling you things about me and the Air Force, that um, he's not giving you good information because I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what I've done, know exactly what I've written. And a number of the cases that you touched on in your book and have mentioned here, Maury Island, Gerald Anderson, um, I think you talked about Tunguska, 1908 uh, crash. You talked about... Uh, the Condon Committee and their 
studying of electromagnetic effects. Uh, you mentioned Gerald Anderson um, and said that uh, Cor you believe Corso uh, corroborated Anderson. I'm just trying to determine whether or not where that information takes us, what evidence you have to make to draw those sorts of conclusions. I understand where you're coming from. So are you going to continue to participate in the conversation? Participate in the conversation. I have been participating. You've said no comment a number of times. Do you want to talk about Gerald Anderson or not? No comment. Why not? Okay, how about this? And this, I know where you're going to go with this, but you said Randall devoted an entire chapter in his book, The Plains of San Augustin, New Mexico, to debunk Anderson. Since I never wrote a book called that, where did the information come from? I'm, look, I'm looking at a book right here. Yes. Called A History of UFO Crashes. Yes. By Kevin Randall. Yes. You familiar with that book? I believe I am. There's a few red herrings in there, too. Uh, name one. I'm, I'm not going to go into it because I'm not going to sit here and bash anybody. Okay. Back to the question. Randall devoted an entire chapter in his book, The Plains of San Augustine, New Mexico, to debunk Anderson. No I never wrote. I never wrote a book. Oh, you're not going to... Where did the information come from? No comment. You must have a source for some of this. your move. No comment. Okay, well, let's do this then. We'll, uh, a bit early, but we'll take a break. Once again, it's, the book is UFOs, A Scientific Inquiry. The website is uforc.com. Christopher Montgomery is the guest. Uh, we're attempting to discuss some things, but we're getting a lot of no comment. Uh, my website, my blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Uh, one of my books is Roswell in the 21st Century, which I go into great detail about uh, where the case rests today. I looked at the Lonnie Zamora case in Encounter in the Desert in great detail as well. We will be back right after this with Christopher Montgomery. They're here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net.
Nacho, I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. And I am back. Notice I said, I am back. My guest has deserted us. I don't know why. I would like to point out that I had very carefully gone through his book. I had gone through some of the things he had said, and I was very familiar with a lot of the things he talked about briefly in his book. And I thought it only fair to question him about these sorts of things because he made statements with which I didn't agree, but mostly about me, but uh, I thought it was only fair to question him about that. And I think that if you're going to call someone a shill for the Air Force, you're going to suggest that uh, I employ misinformation campaign to elude the truth about UFOs. If you're going to make those sorts of allegations about someone, you should be prepared to defend those where the information takes you. Uh, when he said on Rob McConnell's X-Zone broadcast uh, that uh, he uh, believed that I had said, I, that I believed that their aliens at Roswell were crash test dummies, I wanted to know where he got that information. I've never said anything like that, and I was one of the first pre people to, shall we say, debunk that idea. Uh, I talked to witnesses involved in these cases. Um, Gerald Anderson, for example, he wanted to he mentioned Gerald Anderson in his book and the crash on the plains of San Augustine. I talked to Gerald Anderson. I was the first one to talk to him. I do vet the witnesses. Then when we discovered Gerald Anderson was claiming to be a Navy SEAL, and that turned out not to be true, when Gerald Anderson said he'd never taken a high school anthropology course from Dr. Winifred Busk, uh, Buskirk, who, by the way, uh, is the man Anderson identified as seeing the crash and the bodies on the plains of San Augustine. And we were able to talk to people at the high, Albuquerque High School about that who told us that Anderson was in that class. When he says that Corso corroborated Anderson's tale, and we know that Anderson made the whole thing up, Anderson actually gave us six different locations for the crash on the plains of San Augustine. We look at that stuff in depth. Uh, yeah, we've been caught. And I say we, Don Schmidt, uh, Tom Carey, and I have been caught in things. I believe Frank Kaufman's tale when he told it. But the other side of the coin is we continue to search for the evidence and where that evidence would take us. And when we discovered that, we were the ones that outed Kaufman as not being a reliable source. So I think that if you're going to do UFO investigation and you're going to claim that you're writing a book called UFOs, A Scientific Inquiry, that you have an obligation to present evidence that has been properly researched and properly vetted. Do we all make mistakes in writing books? Absolutely. The volume of information that we needed to coordinate for just the Roswell book 
was enormous. I've got a file cabinet, a four-drawer file cabinet filled with this stuff. Interviews. I've got four loose-leaf notebooks filled with transcripts of interviews. And there's many interviews we didn't bother to transcribe because they didn't take us anywhere. But we went back and we looked at this stuff carefully. And when someone comes forward and says, you know, uh, uh, Philip Corso and Day After Roswell tells the story the truth, it's simply not true. There are so many holes in his story that... Um, you know, it's impossible to believe. So when I get a guest on the program here, and I was planning to do two hours with him so we could discuss it at length and get into this, and I had not planned to bring some of the stuff up in the first hour, but the conversation took us in that direction. And I ask a specific question, you know, what is your source for that? What is your evidence for the claim when he's talking about me specifically? And he says, no comment, we're getting nowhere. I know exactly where I've been, what I've done. You know, I kind of think of it, you know, you're, you're, you're accused of a crime, of robbery. The police have everything there. They're saying the, the evidence says you did this crime. The person who is being the defendant knows exactly what the truth is. He knows or she knows whether or not he or she committed that crime. So when he says, I'm a shill for the Air Force, I know that's not true. I also know that my military career started out in the Army. I did stuff in the Air Force, and I ended my career in the Army. Uh, never once did I do anything for the Air Force to um, suggest I was working for them to uh, hide UFO information. I never, I never did anything like that. Bill Moore, back in the 1990s, I think it was, 1980s, I'm sorry, 1980s, uh, was spying on, on on APRO, and he admitted that in 1989. He admitted that he had done these things for the Office of Special Investigation in the Air Force. But he also accused me of doing it. He said that he thought there was someone else in APRO who was spying on them as well, and he thought it was me. Untrue. Carl Lorenzen was a friend of mine. She helped me in my writing career by giving me information from the APRO files. The only thing I had to do was mention the address of APRO in the text of the article. Editors didn't care about it. I was happy to do it. I was getting paid to do it, to write the articles, which, by the way, helped pay my college tuition for those of you keeping score at home. But I've been investigating this for a long time, and I've seen a lot of these guys come by writing their books on UFOs, talking about what they know and their inside information. I'll tell you right now, he has no inside MJ-7 giving him information because MJ-12 does not exist. They're probably was an oversight committee. In fact, I can point to a number of oversight committees in the UFO phenomenon. They're mentioned in Project Blue Book, for example, um, the Aerial Phenomena Research Group, for example. So there were those sorts of things going on, but it wasn't MJ-12. And that information has been thoroughly discredited. But if you say that, you become a debunker. How dare you say that MJ-12 is fake? Well, it is. That's how we can say that sort of thing. Um, I am always of the mind, if I come on a radio program and I'm going to talk about my book, I am prepared to defend my book. If I've made a mistake in that book, I want to correct that mistake and make sure everybody knows it. So if somebody says to me, you said blah, blah, blah about me and it's not true, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to say, hey, sorry, I made a mistake. But um, here we had, all we got was no comment. He, wa he talks about Maury Island being true. But he was unaware of the background of it. And then we get into no comment. Um, 
I had, like I said, I had a rundown prepared for this sort of thing so that I could uh, discuss this in a chronological order and get to the parts that directly affected me later in the program. Um, and we got, we got to it because that's where the conversation directed us. But I think what you, you've got to take away from this is there's an awful lot of stuff going on in the UFO field today. And there's a lot of people coming into it and some of it going, leaving it. I soon may punch out myself given these aggravating circumstances. But um, they come into the field and they don't have the background. And I think what's happened here is he made uh, a cursory examination of some of the materials and wasn't prepared to defend some of his conclusions. I've always felt that if I can't defend my conclusions, um, I should say so rather than no comment or something like that. I look at all of this sort of thing as a way of trying to elevate the UFO research community, trying to make it something better than it is, making sure that we do our background investigations, we vet the information, we give you the best information we can. And I think if you, I guess take an example from the news media. It used to be you want to be there first, but, but there should also be a, a desire to be there accurately. Um, and, and that's where we are. I, 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 sometimes in the UFO community, we are obligated to provide information before we are ready to do that. And sometimes we find out that the path we were following is wrong and we need to reverse course. I run into this a couple of times now. There's a, another fellow who has provided an explanation for the Roswell case. I've invited him on the program, oh, a half a dozen times. And I think the problem is that he is aware. He and I had had some discussions through email, and I think he's aware that I um, am, am fully cognizant of an awful lot of things that he thinks to be the truth that that really are not, and doesn't want to discuss it. And I think we've run into that here again. That uh, he didn't expect me to be as well versed in the various aspects that he talked about. Maury Island, for example. Um, Gerald Anderson, um, Philip Corso, all these different areas. I was going to, like I said, I was going to talk to him about Tunguska in 1908 because I think the current thinking, scientific thought, is that was an asteroid about 200 meters in diameter that exploded in the air and gave all the impressions of an atomic explosion. I think that's where the scientific evidence takes us. Um, I was prepared to talk of all, about all of this. Instead, uh, he brought things up. We took the conversation in the direction it went, and what we got in instead was no comment. We were not fully prepared to discuss these sorts of things. He was ready to make allegations. He didn't want to make allegations against people and discuss this sort of thing, and yet he was willing to do that about me, and I would imagine we're going to hear more bad things about me from this fellow um, in the future. But the fact is he was not properly prepared, and he did not do his as he, he accused me of not doing my homework uh, with Rob McConnell on the X-Zone broadcast. Um, I don't think he did his homework as well as he could have. So there you go on that. Um, next time, the next special report I am trying to get, and I'm in communication with Calvin Parker, who was one of the two abducted in Pascagoula in 1973. And I, I put 
told him up front that uh, I'm not a big fan of the abduction phenomenon. We'll try to get him on to discuss his experiences and see where that takes us. As always, um, I'll information on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Uh, discussing this, I've got a piece up on um, Robert Friend, who was one of the officers in charge of Blue Book that uh, gives some information about him that people didn't know, which I think is interesting, and that sort of thing. So in our next uh, broadcast, we will hopefully be talking to Calvin Parker about the abduction phenomenon. Uh, take a listen to some of the other great programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Um, Listen to my pal, Larry Lawson, on his program, who I always want to call Larry Lawrence. We will be back with another special edition of the um, Different Perspective soon. Thank you for listening. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. 
You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.